And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. And welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP, here with Danny Routh of CFP Squared. I think the biggest news of the day just came across my desk. Oscar Mayer is bringing back the Wienermobile. They first were calling it Frankmobiles. And there was an uproar to bring back the original name. But then someone someone spray painted on the size of side of the Wienermobile, don't kiss the meat. And I have no idea what that means. Because there is no meat on the Wienermobile. Plus it's plant-based. Now, I don't know. That seems like big news. Why we, Why do you want to change the name from Wienermobile to Frankmobile? Like, that should be for Frankenstein or something else. So, so everybody was pretty much upset. This was the big news. Bringing it back. Frankly, my dear. I wonder if it's EV now. <laughs> the electric wiener? Don't shrink the wiener. <clears throat> that would be the... This wiener's got no power. Well, let's keep going. Danny, you're next. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. <laughs> no. Speaking of things that are shrinking, uh, the market <clears throat> has really been, uh, I don't know. Mr. Powell really put the kibosh on the party. I mean, it takes a while for the market to get things. And September is notoriously a rough month. Um, but... You know, this um, possibly raising rates again issue. We're going to talk about inflation in your portfolio and how it's important in your planning process later on. But obviously, the market might be paying attention, Danny, the bond market and the stock market to the Fed saying we have maybe one more rate hike, even if they may not have one more rate hike. But that right rates might be higher for longer, which is something Powell absolutely has to say. Well, I think it gives him more bandwidth to, to make changes mm -hmm. and adjustments, right? I mean, if you say, hey, we're going to go longer than anticipated, then you don't. Things, in, in, you know, things go better than if you say, hey, we are done. Market probably really likes it for a bit. That would have been nice for the market, boy. That oh, been, man. would have had a great day that day. Yeah, but then when he actually does, if he needs to hike further down the road, yep. it'll be that much more detrimental. Well, the market, you know, ticks him off. You know, like it, took off, it ticked off the Oscar Mayer fans. Don't call him it. Don't call it a Frank Mobile. Because, I mean, again, every time he talks, the market goes higher or it doesn't listen to him. I mean, he's sticking to his guns with this mantra. And I think the market's finally starting to get it. That, uh, you know, I have a hard time with that. I mean, I, 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 I agree the, and I don't. With it, the it, Wiener Mobile or Powell? No, go ahead. Sorry. I told you I was going to throw him off today. I did it already. The show just You've started. You've been hot-dogging it since I, I, the I, first I, minute yeah. of the show. With mustard. Yes. Yeah. No, go ahead. So what do you think? Well, I, I think that it's probably more looking at, okay, look, he's going to be steadfast in what he's saying, mm -hmm. and he's very, been very adamant in that, hey, we are not lowering interest rates right now. And I think that's still the message. Nothing has really changed. We anticipated that there's likely another rate hike this mm -hmm. year. I think it's going to be data-dependent. I mean, you have September 28th. You've got GDP revisions coming. You know, I think there's a little bit of concern about government shutdown, you know, what the 
overall financial implications of that, yeah. you know, that, that can be debated. Well, and the psychology right. of the consumer, because that's the, you Correct. know, we are, we're, st- we're starting to see a freeze up in the animal spirits. I think that's more important, right? Um, overwhelming number of polls show that people are distressed financially, and it makes sense because if you want to talk about maybe neutral rates are higher forever, well, what about inflation? We know eventually inflation comes down, but we have a lot of our own policies to blame for what we're going through. Um, so, And then we know that monetary policy is designed to tighten until something breaks, and then rates come down fast. That's right. right. And, and he wasn't going to raise rates. I mean, if everybody can remember right. that long ago— you know, inflation's transitory, inflation's transitory. We are not going anywhere with interest rates. And then, boom, went on the fastest rate hiking campaign we've seen. And it'll be very similar once we start the data starts to unravel. He's going to go the opposite direction. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I think the market, probably what it didn't like the most out of what's come out of the Fed meeting, is that they're thinking two less hikes mm-hmm. in 2024. I think that's probably more of the bigger news. But then again, I mean... He's got to give himself some wiggle room. So we're just going to have to follow the data, watch and see what happens at some point. And, and like you said, the consumer, I don't know that we see the job numbers like everybody would, you know, like we've historically seen just because of where we've been and what's gone on. And at some point, inevitably, I think you do. But it, well, how long yeah. does that take as well? True. And then, Danny, this is Janet Yellen. I want you to understand, I've been saying inflation's transitory since like 2016 when you had a lot of hair. Brent, what'd you put in his coffee today? <laughs> I I don't know what he got into. <laughs> Maybe it's no. a lack of sleep. It's a maple it's syrup lack with habanero pepper. Sleep. So keep this in mind. I think everybody's been surprised, including the Fred, about the unbelievable underlying momentum of the consumer. I I the consumer to continue to go out there and spend. So I wa- looked at Darden's report yesterday. So Darden, uh, which is one of my favorite companies. Um, and they bought through Crisp, and I think they overpaid for it. I think they bought it at the wrong time. So their report, watch their transcript, Danny, and they're talking about how at these high-end restaurants, consumers are trading down. Like they buy this restaurant just at the very wrong time, right? And So they pe- buy it, then tell you how <laughs> it's not doing well? Well, it's like people are still spending, but they're trading down in, yeah. in entrees, right? Compared to what? Olive Garden, which is continuing to kick butt. Because Olive Garden is fairly inexpensive. Like, it's going to take a while to beat up on an Olive Garden before you stop going, I'm not going to eat any more breadsticks compared to, like, you know, a $100 steak, right? So, you yeah, know. Yeah, but 18 bucks for a meal, I think, is still expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's just me. Well, yeah. In for 18, a single entree? In 1883. Yeah. Uh, you're doing pretty good at 18 bucks. Uh, 18 bucks. Where are you eating? You gotta go through McDonald's for you. You don't need out out all that often these days, but uh, <laughs> and actually that's good because wherever you're eating, you're gonna get some sort of disease. My if wife and I, if we can get out of a restaurant for thirty bucks, I'm feeling good. David Brooks, not one of my favorite writers for the New York Times, was goes. No wonder people are upset. He was like at Newark Airport and he paid eighty bucks for an. Um, he said he paid eighty bucks for a hamburger. Good night. Okay. So he's complaining that this is what people are worried about. Meanwhile, you find out he had like about 30 drinks. Like the hamburger was like 14 bucks. So, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Inflation is an issue, but why don't you go look at the receipt, buddy? Um, Now, if I were him, I'd be drinking too. So um, I would just say that you are starting to see, Danny, I think, is this consumer cooling down. 
Now, we probably have a pretty, I think we have a pretty decent retail season for the holidays. But I think the overall momentum that we've been talking about is starting to grind, right? There's still so much cash out there from infrastructure and other things. But we know that consumer spending is most of the economy. And if the consumer animal spirit, you know how it starts. You tell one friend, they tell another. You know, in other words, oh, if things are feeling bad, I, gotta, I better mm-hmm. cut back. We might continue to see that. It's Time already been tell. like that in the Ratner, you know, the Ratliff household was still not spending, but maybe we start to see the consumer cool, cool off a little bit here. We'll see how it goes. We'll be back. Stay tuned. daily investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com and we're back so um saturday september 30th we're going to be doing a candid coffee Now, we'll tell you, we call it progression planning, and there's a reason for that. But this is really your estate planning process, your your end-of-life planning. And I know it's a... It's a damper on your Saturday. But I will tell you, we present it in such a way that you will be excited. I was going to say excited to die. But no, you'll be excited to get your estate plan done. Because we go through some of the qualitative emotional hurdles that you go through when you should be looking at the process with a different perspective through the eyes of the people you love. So I, I, yeah, we're going to go through the documentation you need and a lot of people don't get it done, unfortunately. But I think there's a different spin on this that you will actually appreciate and you will feel warm and fuzzy at the end, not cold and clammy as if you were in the morgue. So... Tune in, (laughs) go to realinvestmentadvice.com and sign up, and we go through it. I promise we will make it palatable is a good word, Um, as we call it progression planning, and I'll share with you why I call it that when we go ahead uh, to have this. We we do have uh, not as many people as we usually have. But again, this is a very segmented kind of candid coffee, but I do think you will learn something. But guess what? You may have relatives, friends, who have been hesitant to do an estate plan. They don't want to talk about it. You all figure it out when I'm gone. Have them sit in on this. Have them sit in on this about the conversations that they need to have in a way that will make it easier for them. Because that's really what this is for more than anything else. You out there who actually do estate planning, you've done your plan, you feel good about it, you don't want to leave stress behind for the people you care about, you want to make sure your pets are taken care of and whatever it is. But for the people who are on the fence, 
because they don't want to approach it. Those are the people that need to sit in on this. Or you might get something here from this can of coffee that you can share with friends <clears throat> and relatives that have, who have been hesitant to do what's necessary. So I think that will give you some really great steps. So don't you think, Danny, I think we've handled the estate planning conversation in a way that makes it, I don't know, just easier to go through for people who have been hesitant and change the, change the mirror it looks it into, like the perspective of it, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think the problem is that most people, we only think about our death when we think about any type of estate planning. Instead of the legacy that you're trying to leave, what mm -hmm. is the intent? What is the use of these funds? And to make it something good. Yeah. Um, you know, can't avoid death and taxes. So let's at least prepare, right? Yeah. I think people are so much more prone to want and try to save money on taxes. Yeah. And pay as little as possible, which I'm right there. Yeah. I think it's a great thing to do. Um, you know, you can do so smartly, legally, great. Um, but the estate plan part is just something that's such a burden for most people. Yes. And it's unfortunate because there's so many good things that can come out of this. And so I think that having those conversations, getting ahead of it, um, and we're going to share some really good tips on how to do those things this next weekend. And that will be, I think, hopefully something you can all take from and maybe get a little bit better understanding as your own estate plan and give you some ideas as far as what you should or shouldn't be doing. Yeah, you got to break it down in your head, almost like be a ghost before you're a ghost. Like you got to look back and figure out what kind of damage you might create by not doing it. In other words, do you have, uh, do, do you have multiple children? What if you leave more money to one child than the other? What if one child's the executor? But you're going to let these cold, dead estate tax doc, these estate documents do the talking for you. You don't want that. You want to do the talking, and you want to make sure everybody feels good. You don't want these rifts in the family after you're gone. And the fact is, when they think about you, they go, oh, yeah, Dad, he really messed that crap up, didn't he? Like, in some words, they'll go, oh, Dad, he took me fishing. He took me out to these places to go. We went on vacation. Now, you know, you're creating, you're ruining your legacy. So think about it. I, I, met, with, I met with someone the other day, and she says, well, my mom, I tried to approach this subject with her. There's uh, three siblings, and they're always battling it out. And she goes, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And that's, those are the people we're trying to penetrate. Because if you don't talk about it, these siblings that are already having problems, you're going to make it worse. Yeah. Well, first of all, just stop. Stop. I mean, is that what this is all about at the end of the day? I mean, are you trying to get you know, access to whatever mm -hmm. it may be? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the unfortunate part. So that's why it does push families like that away from having those conversations mm -hmm. because they're like, screw it. You guys can deal with what I'm done. And then the problem is going to be yeah. much, much worse. Much, much worse. Yeah. I know you say sometimes, well, I'm not going to be here, but your legacy, who you were, your memory, who you are to these people will change. But your legacy is your children, right? It is. So if you have kids or, or it may be a philanthropic and, and, adventure uh -huh. maybe a number of different things right but right. you need to think about this especially if you have a family where these funds are intended to go instead of creating strife and you know, all the things that are associated with this when it's not done well and if you already have that problem it's probably time for you to sit down and take the reins and say hey <clears throat> this is not how this is going to go here's what's going to happen this is not subject to your interpretation if you want something or there's something that you like we can have that discussion but you guys aren't going to bicker over these things and I think that when you do that, you take that power away from them as far as thinking that they're, they're in control of this situation. And that's the problem because they all want 
something different or think they're entitled to something different. If it's your funds, your life's work, you should be in control of where those, how this thing plays out. And you can do so with a proper estate plan. And you can at least explain if one child's getting something over somebody else. You know, there are children, like I'm sure, Danny, you, I know you work with clients where they're giving a lot to certain kids that are having problems now, yeah. and some are self-sufficient. So they're saying, well, when I pass, I'm going to give more to the, that child that I didn't give to. Right? The problem but, that I find with that sometimes, though, is that the, that child is still well, they've done well. And the other one is they're like, well... Still need some help, so well. You know, I don't think be... they cut him out. I think that yeah. they rate they they change the proportion. But but again, you're bringing up an issue where if you don't have this conversation with both of them, say I have a, I have a I have a brother and a sister, and the brother always needs cash, and the sister is very self sufficient. <clears throat> I know what's coming when mom passes. This conversation because she told me what she's going to do, and I said, "Well, have you had a conversation with your children about it?" No. I haven't. You haven't. They're going to converse about it. Oh, so you want even more money. Even though you've been getting money all along and I've been getting nothing. I mean, I can hear all the issues that are going to arise that's going to cause a rift between this brother and sister because there's already issues or animosity that why isn't my brother? Why is why can't, why isn't he not working? Why is he why is he consistently taking from mom? What if she lives longer and needs money for long-term care? Why are we doing this? So well, it's already causing an issue that nobody is addressing. Well, I think that's the problem is that so many times parents continue to support their adult children and they're bankrupting their, their future, essentially. They will. We've seen right? studies about this, yeah. right? That they're jeopardizing their own But they also situation. haven't taught their children how to stay on their own two feet and then... It becomes a bigger problem because what happens if you run out of money? You're going to go live with them? Probably not. They Probably can't support not. themselves. Right. So how are they going to support you as well? So that's where I think we run into more trouble. Now, mm -hmm. I do see, you know, and depending on the family, I, I think it's it's okay. You can do these things, but you do need to be very open. You, you gotta need to write these things down. Right. But I've seen, uh, I have some families I've seen where if they give the <clears> brother <throat> money, they may also give the sister money that doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. need it. Yeah. They say, listen, we want to be fair and equitable with this. So uh, yep. um, I'm going to give you money and you're going to get money and um, that's do with the, it what you please. It's probably the better way to do it where. But not everybody can afford it. No, I understand. But if yeah. you're in that, you know, instead of giving, say, <clears throat> child A, say a gift of 10000 and I'm not going to give to child B because child B is self-sufficient, you might as well just give child B the same if you can do it because. Yep. Maybe they donate it. Maybe they put it towards college. Most likely, child B is going to save it. <laughs> Correct. For some sort of future goal. So that's fine. It's not like child B can't use it and is not going to appreciate the gift. Because if they're working hard and they're self-sufficient, <clears throat> a, a gift is going to just help them. Maybe they put it towards a, a children's college fund, whatever it is. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But, again, I think what we're bringing up most important is this conversation doesn't happen. And there's this seething animosity that erupts when the person giving the money passes because no one's really ever addressed it, especially if there's a change in the estate planning documents that gives more to one than the other. <clears throat> so these are the things we want to make sure that you're talking about. And it all starts with clearing emotional hurdles that we're going to talk about on this Saturday, September 30th event.
So you go to Real Investment Advice, sign up, <clears throat> be about an hour of your day, give you a different perspective. Again, someone that you feel we've been talking about. Oh, that is my mom. Oh, that's my sister. That's my friend Bill. Have them sit in. They will gain a lot from it. I'm so, sure you know somebody who could. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now we know, we're talking about estate planning, the Trump tax cuts. The tax cuts of 2017 doubled the base amount individuals could give away uh, without paying estate taxes for $10 million. And these cuts are going to expire in 2026. So you're seeing a mad scramble of wealthy investors moving money. Again, even if you don't have that kind of wealth, there is going to be this focus on the estate tax exemptions. And what I'm concerned about, Danny, we'll get to we'll talk about this on the other side of the break, that we're going back to maybe estate tax exemptions where many people are going to get hit. A lot of people will be hit. Based on their total estate. So when we get back, we're going to talk about this here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com button I pushed this morning is working against me. I just me. see Brent fighting literally with the board. Every button. Got to push it twice to make it respond. Oh my goodness. Thank goodness it's Friday. He looked like the president trying to maneuver <laughs> a, a coffee maker or something. <laughs> he is trying to navigate something. Man. Woo. <laughs> From the full circle department, Danny, BlackRock, State Street, among money managers closing ESG funds. <clears throat> More ESG funds in U.S. closed in 2023 than in the three prior years. Surprised? Nope. <laughs> but he said BlackRock? Uh-huh. The biggest proponent of ESG? <laughs> closing them down. Hmm. wonder what could have went wrong. I have no idea. I'm just surprised it took so long. So was it not the money making endeavor? I mean, what, nope. what was the size yeah, of these it was funds? Just not the money making. I don't know. I, I don't know. But it, obviously, it was not a good path for them. <clears throat> so, or you, anybody. <laughs> so, um, you have a lot of wealthy Americans that are giving money away, right? They gave away one hundred eighty-two point six billion in twenty twenty-one, more than double the year before. That's from the Internal Revenue Statistics through trusts, 
um, charity, big charitable giving that's been going on through this process as well. And then if you have a net worth of over $10 million, um, obviously, or family that is, you're going to have to make sure that you're doing your estate planning again, or at least giving, trying to come up with a gift strategy or a way to freeze the valuation of assets and move them into other vehicles, depending upon the assets that they are. So this tax savings over time could be significantly larger. So there are about 1.5 million Americans with 10 million to 50 million in net worth. None of us, because we're here. Um, but <laughs> Brett wouldn't, wouldn't be finagling with that board this morning. He'd be finagling with like pancakes. Um, Gold-plated. Um, so, you know, obviously, direct gifts of cash or securities is a simple, right? 17000 tax-free for 2023, 18000 probably in 2024. So um, you see a lot of people that are aware of giving gifts, but then obviously through trusts, dynasty trusts. Um, so, but this impact, what I want to try to get to, Danny, this impact of the expiration of the Trump tax cuts can also hurt mom and pop and people that don't have 10 million to 50 million. That is why we've been talking about the, the benefits of Roth conversions through this process. You don't have to have this kind of wealth. Yes, from an estate planning perspective, you always have to be concerned that the estate tax exemptions get, get chipped away at over time, that all of a sudden you realize with the value of your 401k and your home that holy moly, I have an exemption, my wife has an exemption, or my, my husband, and I'm not using them properly. We used to have to do a lot of this A-B trust planning. We used to call that above ground, below ground. Trust planning yeah. in the 90s, right? Uh, when we did have to worry. But, you know, I don't know. This, this becomes like this political football, and I have a feeling it will again when these uh, tax cuts look to expire. So these, these numbers are, are adjusted for inflation each year. Yeah. So by 2025, anticipation is that a household, a, a, a husband and wife are going to have, or you're going to have $28 million that you can shelter mm -hmm. from estate taxes and gift tax. Both exemptions, right? Correct. Yep. Um, and that's, that's slated currently to go down to about half of that. Right. And now that's not going to include the majority of Americans. Of course. But it can include a lot of people who maybe, you know, we know people, I have clients who are on... Paper might affect you if you have they're wealthy. extremely wealthy, yeah, but have, yeah, well, it's closely held businesses. Yeah, it right. is yep. real estate, yep. land, farms, ranches. Um, they may not make a ton of money or have a ton of money sitting in a bank account, but their assets are. Yeah. So yeah. then you get into a problem of, okay, now do you have to liquidate, liquidate everything, right? Yeah, I've so, got the family farm or ranch, right? And yeah. all of a sudden my, these exemptions drop and I haven't planned properly. And now estate taxes are done with, due within nine months. What, what do I have to do? We're selling the properties, what most people are doing. Mm -hmm. And now it's not the intent of, you know, we're talking about estate planning a bit ago. Now the problem is that how do you pass it on to your kids? How do you pass it on and have that generational type of legacy? Mm -hmm. it's, in, it's, it's very difficult at that point. And... So this is where I think it's going to be a bigger problem than most anticipate. And I know where you're going is that just the tax brackets are going to be condensed. Rates are going to go up a tad bit if we just revert back to the old tax code. And now that with the Roth conversion, you're potentially paying less on taxes than you will in the future. 
And then you get the, the growth, right? So the one thing that's awesome about the Roth IRA versus a traditional IRA mm -hmm. is that you have a 10-year period that your non-spousal beneficiaries must take these funds out. So they can do so and pay taxes at maybe a potential higher tax bracket. Mm -hmm. What are they currently in? Are they in peak earnings years? Uh, do taxes just go up and there's no really wiggle room around it? It's potentially. Um, so I think that you know, for many people, this is a smart move. Not for everybody. I think you need to run an analysis, it's, it's, understand it's, it. Yeah, you do. But this might all, but to your point, Danny, there are people that on paper might have more than they think uh, because of properties and other things. So if you're not doing that sophisticated estate planning now, whether it's family limited partnerships or trust planning or, or defective trust planning, whatever it is, if you're not doing these things and you're on the fence, um, you better get to it. You better get to it. So it's going to be important for you to understand that. And and not only that, you, you don't have to be in that bracket and then realize the 22 and 24% brackets are going to change. They're not going to be as, you're not going to see these tax, marginal tax rates as generous as they were. Um, I ran analysis when this Trump tax cut came out for a few families, and I'm not a tax advisor, but I, it was it, these were simple examples. But I found out that, these were people that were, I don't know, making $100,000 a year. They were just normal people like you and I. And they had children. And with the tax credits and all that, they were saving money under the Trump tax cuts. These weren't wealthy individuals by any means. I mean, they weren't hurting, but they weren't this tax cuts for the wealthy narrative that you hear. These were people with three kids and you know, bringing in six figures, two professional people, and, you know, it could be your neighbor. They were saving three to $4,000 on their taxes because of the Trump tax cut. So you are going to be affected by this. You don't have to be uber wealthy. Also, it might, it might change based on these tax brackets to, to, to Danny's point earlier about IRA distributions for your children. That's why Roth is going to be more important because even though they have to take out the money over 10 years, it's tax-free. So but these, also, you don't have to take the RMDs further down the, the road right. if you're doing them at a, at a younger age. You know, pre-RMD age, required minimum distribution. So for any of those that you don't know, that's the amount at um, at 72. Well, actually now 73 with New Secure Act 2.0 right. that you must take a distribution. And so the idea is that they make you take these required minimum distributions so they get their tax dollars. They would like for you <coughs> to, you know, have a foot in the grave and a dollar in your pocket. Because they want everything taxed. That was a country song, wasn't it? Yeah, it should be. A foot in the grave, a dollar in your pocket. If you come after me, I'm gonna sock you. I don't know. I'm just gonna. I gotta think of something. Sounds like something like uh, Luke Nelson would record. Um, Sounds so like a Dwight Yoakam song. Man, have you seen Dwight Yoakam lately? I couldn't even recognize him. I mean, obviously, these people are getting old. But. He's turned into a great character actor on TV. He, he is. He's, he was actually been a act, good actor for a yeah. long time. <clears throat> but I guess I was surprised on how much he's aged because I'm still listening to some of his stuff from the 90s mm -hmm. and all that, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, is that Dwight Yoakam? That old guy over there? <laughs> oh, my gosh. This aging thing isn't for the weak, is it? Nor are taxes. Neither is that board Yeah. Uh, this morning. So um, regardless of how much family wealth you have, these tax cuts are going to affect you. 
which means tax planning is going to be very important or it's going to be very important for your family to get off the fence and make this work. And that's, that's where this process comes into play. And Danny, I don't think regardless of the administration coming in, whether it's Republican or Democrat, I, with what we've done, I, I, just don't, I just don't see how you keep these. No, I don't, I think, don't think how you keep these tax cuts. I just think you have to let them go. I, I, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just don't see this as something that's going to last. I just don't. Well, it's one. Everybody wants to, lifelong politicians want to remain in office. So what's easier than raising taxes? Just letting this expire. Yeah, because you don't have to do anything, right? Yeah, and, and it goes up automatically. Now, at some point, I do think they'll have to be more aggressive. But at the moment, this will probably do the trick. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a bill two years ago was much more aggressive than what we would revert back to. Yes. That doesn't mean it's off the table. And at some point, depending on who gets in office, and at some point, it really won't matter, Rich. I mean, at some it's point, I mean. yeah. it's not going to matter at all. It's just going to be a function of math. Right. And that's, I mean, it's going to come when we, obviously when it's too late, right? Correct. We don't want to work on anything. Why would we do that? <laughs> Look towards the future. <laughs> It'll work itself out. When we get back, we're going to talk about inflation and your financial plan, why it's so very important. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com so in case anybody doesn't know autumn arrived saturday 1.50 a.m. CDT, but not available in text. Makes me sad. Makes me very sad. My favorite season, and I don't get it. But you were just traveling. You got a little bit of it, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I got a little. Well, yeah, there were not a lot of leaves. Never mind. Not, there weren't a lot of leaves uh, changing yet in uh, Vermont. But um, You could get to October. But it will. Oh, yeah. It, it was coming in fast. You got that fall sky, you know, those layered clouds. You know, it was already, it's cool. Cool to watch storms on the mountains. It's uh, really different. Home of maple syrup. I was happy to bring back to Brent. <laughs> it's larapin good. You know what's amazing is there's these families, family farms, from 1790, 1810, they're, they're still in the family and they're still producing, creating, producing maple yeah, products. Yeah, maybe not for long. <laughs> Hope they have cash and a good insurance policy. You trying to be on the global warming, the whole thing's coming to an end kind of thing? No, I'm talking about taxes, Rich. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, we literally just talked about this I for know, 20 I minutes, know, and know. you go off that, on... That's like 10 years ago Global already. warming. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Danny Downer. 
No. That, hey, that was rich this time. No, but that's right. That's taxes. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Now you just bring up something if, else. If you don't have this family farm in a family limited partnership, or you just think, you know, because you're living in la-la land, that nothing's going to happen to you. And it is a little bit like la-la land. Haley goes, my daughter was there with me, and she goes, she takes a deep breath. She goes, oh, daddy, what's that smell? I'm like, that's uh, fresh air, babe. It's fresh air. It smells a little bit like cinnamon and... Yeah, that's what you call fresh air. Mm-hmm. You're not used to that. Um, yeah, nice. Sometimes yeah, but, but so it, it will require some additional planning. It will, From absolutely. an estate planning perspective. And also, typically, you see these families purchase some type of life insurance to pay for that bill. So things mm-hmm. don't have to be liquidated, especially if you don't have those funds readily available. Life um, insurance is a, good, it's a big part of that, too, right? To create immediate oh yeah. liquidity. Correct. Because even if, say, you've done all the right estate planning, you still could be owing estate tax, just maybe not the amount that you would have, right? And a good tax planner, we work with a few good, really good tax planners, they'll say, well, without this, this is your tax bill. With this, Mm -hmm. this is your tax bill. It's a lot better, but I still got to fill the hole, fill the gap. It's like when we talk about Medicare, right? You need supplemental. Supplemental to your estate is life insurance, that can be used, but that that as well, Danny, right, can be placed in the trust. Yeah. Well, you typically would set up an irrevocable life insurance uh-huh. trust or a flat, like a, a spousal lifetime access trust. Oh, I, I mean, there's a, fell there and there's a number Slap. of different ways. Yes. I mean, that you could utilize or put some put it in some type of vehicle to give your estate protection further down the road. Absolutely. It, it really determines on accessibility, how you want to set that up. A really good estate planner can visit with you on that. Because like Rich said earlier, we are not CPAs. We are also not attorneys. So, but these are primarily good concepts of things that you need to bring up with your estate planning attorney, or if you need a a referral from us, you know, reach out. We'll, we'll, we have some good people. We work work with many different people. Um, but you know, it's, I think it really determines on what's best for each individual, uh, what they're looking to accomplish. And, and really what it comes down to as well, Rich, is that you need a financial plan to understand the inventory of assets, where everything is. Yes how they all work together and then what's the accessibility or the liquidity problems or potential that you may have in the event of a death right right you know i mean i think that's the problem with much of this and where you have something that's just not liquid and and it won't be it doesn't give you income or doesn't give you the accessibility to access the equity from it then you're stuck absolutely Absolutely. Or your heirs are stuck. It's just part of an overall solid estate plan. All these facets and holes that need to be filled in, if you want to make sure more money goes to the people you love or the charities you love versus the government. I would, I mean, I read, Danny, these terrible, like Aretha Franklin and all these stars that have no estate plan and how much money they owe the government as opposed to all their hard work at least even to a charity. It just makes me almost want to puke. I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, really? All this, all that you've made, you don't even have a charity, like a, a, at least a charity to get the money versus the government? It's, it's just, I don't know. Really doesn't make any sense. I understand the emotional hurdles, but that makes me sad. So when we talk about your plans, we talk about inflation because inflation will affect you. And obviously inflation affects us more now than many generations I've even faced before in the past. And um, back in, I guess it was, what, Danny, 2019, 
we went ahead and we increased our base inflation rate in our plans from two to two and a half percent. And actually the creator of the software came out way after we did and said, where they're raising the base rate. So you, what I, your financial advisor has to be a student of inflation and understand that inflation can be variable over time and create risk for your financial plan. We study inflation and then we look at inflation per in an individual's goal. Are they buying an automobile, healthcare expenses, long-term care? Um, I have been personally hesitant to raise some of the inflation on, say, for example, vehicles and other items as opposed to just the base rate. And the reason is I want to give it time. I want to see where we are in a year or so. My original thought in 2019 was that some inflation was not going to be transitory and that we would have higher inflation for an extended period. And that's why I raised the base rate to 2.5%. But that can wreak havoc on your financial plan, depending on how you're saving, how much you're spending, the types of ways you spend in retirement. In other words, if you are spending on an inflation-adjusted basis, which means every year... You want 10,000, then you want 10,400, 10,700, 11,000. Now, I'm not saying in reality it works that way. If you're taking distributions from a retirement account and so forth, you may not raise your withdrawal every year, but you will over time. And then there's a period of your life where you're actually spending less money as you age. Um, a lot of work out there. David Blanchett uh, used to be at Morningstar. Uh, David Blanchett wrote some great stuff about the retirement smile. You know, there's going to be a period of time where you're older and you're just not spending as much money. You're not unhealthy. You're not unhealthy. You know, you have spending at the active years at the beginning. That's the one side of the smile. Then you sort of level off, right? You sort of, you're spending sort of, sort of bows a bit and you, you're on a steady trajectory, but you're not really spending more every year, you're eating out less and so forth. And then, of course, the expenses increase at toward the end of your life from health care. So you have to look at practicality also when inflation is higher about how you spend. And we have enough people in distribution mode that I've been working with for at least 20 years that um, I now know and see how spending works in real life versus just say, hey, yeah, every year you're going to inflation index. and Right, Danny? It's, 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 you got to look at the practicality and the retirement income strategy based on reality versus every year I'm just going to take more money, more money, more money, even when I'm 85, 86, 87. I don't know a lot of people 85, 86, 87 that are spending any more money than they have in the past except for maybe health care. But they're not, again, they may not be unhealthy, but they're not in these active go-go years and traveling everywhere and doing all these things. Yeah, I've never had a client in doing this 20 years who... I said, all right, it's January 1st. I need yeah. a pay raise. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, it, it, usually what it happens, and, and we've talked about this before, is that every three, four, five years, we're, up, we're updating the plan annually, but at some point, somebody's coming and saying, yeah, I don't feel like money's going as far. All right, let's talk about it. What does that look like? But I also have it on the other end, too, where they say, hey, we're not spending as much. Our, we're not traveling as much. Money's kind of just building up in the savings account. We don't have to pull it out. Can we, can we leave it in the account or reduce the, the distribution? So, you know, you see it both ways, but I've never had anybody just say, all right, automatically every year, 
Let's increase that distribution. Matter of fact, you know, we've been big, big proponents of guardrails, right? So if you have years where you've done really well in markets versus your normal withdrawal rate, take a little more. Give yourself a raise, like a bonus. Take the trip, buy the car. It did that a lot, Danny, in um, 2013 or so, mm-hmm. where we had clients through the financial crisis where we said, listen, we're going to, can we cut your withdrawal rate? Or use an alternate source. Uh, can we tap a home equity line of credit? Can we borrow from your life insurance policy and cut your spending, or at least not increase your spending this year? We did that in some cases to leave the portfolios alone. Yep. But in 2013, we were way above the normal withdrawal rate. So we took that money, we took that raise, and we paid off actually the home equity line of credit. Or We put the money back into our life insurance policy just in case we needed it again. Or we bought the cars or took the vacations. And these, you know, you have to have, if you have variable assets, you have to have a flexible spending. But inflation can also be variable over time. So you better understand how your financial advisor is treating inflation in your plan. How much work and effort are they putting into each goal and the variability and the students of inflation, what resources are they using to study it, to implement it in your plan? All right, that's all we got. We're closing it out. Glad you've been here with us today. Hope you have a great weekend, everybody. Back on Monday, take care. You've been with Financial Fitness Friday. Thanks again.